0: Back empowers you to get it together with a single digital wallet. Use Back to aggregate, convert, send, and spend digital assets like crypto, loyalty and rewards points, and gift cards. Get started by downloading the Back app today and treat your digital assets just like cash. And I also want to give a shout out to Kraken. With Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies or even earn additional rewards through their industry leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning into The Scoop. I'm your host, Frank Chaparro, Director of News at The Block. And on the other side of the mic, we are joined by a very special guest. Uh, we've gone back and forth on Twitter far too many times. You have more energy in real life than I could have anticipated. Michelle Bond, CEO of Adam. You know, we were talking yesterday about the regulatory landscape and unpacking many of the issues that are top of mind for investors and your members, including, of course, what we saw at the end of last year with the FinCEN self-custody wallet rule that was proposed. There's the ETF on the docket. But before we get into some of those issues, you have quite the storied history. Your time at Bloomberg and Ripple have really prepared you to helm this new, it's not necessarily an SRO, but sort of a regulatory body um, that represents a number of different financial services and trading firms in the crypto market. So tell us a little bit about Adam. I kind of gave a little bit of a preface there and some of the things you guys are interested in right now.
1: Well, first of all, thank you so much, Frank, for having me on today. I'm super excited to be here and I am so excited to talk with you about my favorite topic, uh regulation uh, of digital assets and certainly adam so with that i would just start by saying yes adam is a hundred percent a standard setting body we have the you know code of conduct for trading and markets in our industry so it covers the rules for custody and clearing and settlement and trading and all sorts of you know market conduct and all the ethical principles that you would expect to see. Our code of conduct is modeled off of the FX code. In fact, I did join. So I have I have a regulatory background. I worked at, as counsel at the SEC. I also worked at FINRA and I was counsel on the Senate Banking Committee all before joining Bloomberg. I was in regulatory affairs at Bloomberg before entering the FinTech space. And then I actually worked with three different companies Since joining fintech, and I love this space because it's all the really the cutting edge policy work. And having had this background from traditional finance and Dodd Frank and all of the legislation and the rulemaking that was entailed with that huge initiative, I see actually a lot of the really interesting policy work now happening in fintech. So I'm really excited to bring my background and my experience to fintech and get to work on on these issues. I was so fortunate to work at Bloomberg because obviously Bloomberg has a ton of different businesses. Um, I I actually think of Bloomberg as fintech from, the you know, founded in the 1980s uh, because Bloomberg really is a huge financial technology company. And I got to work on market data and equity market structure and trading platforms. And we registered a swap execution facility. And we got to work on just so many different initiatives that I think are so interesting because I think we're going to see a lot of this type of work in digital assets now. So when I look at the digital asset space, certainly I think a lot of the things that we've seen, even like, you know, on the equity side, are all going to be and and are already relevant for digital assets. So I think those are you know all important. I think it's a great framework to be now looking at you know the digital asset space from.
0: And one of the things that I find interesting about Adam is this code of conduct. It's pretty comprehensive. It predates your joining. I remember when someone sent it to me. I guess it must have been a year ago. Um, how has that maybe changed and? What are some of the core pillars that define it?
1: Yeah, so I would say one of the things that I love is, you know, we have this outstanding membership roster from really like just some of the most well-respected firms in the industry. And it's great because those members are the ones that banded together and said, we should create these rules of the road and create this code of conduct. And they came at this from the perspective of thinking, look, we think institutional market participants have both the responsibility and the opportunity to develop and really codify an infrastructure that advances the long-term interests of the market. And it was from that sort of you know, guiding principle that they said, let's come up with a code of conduct. And all of our members are required to agree to adhere to the principles of in our code of conduct. So it really does govern our our membership. And um, so things
0: like settlement. You know, if we're gonna if we're two counterparties engaging on a trade, we're going to agree that this is the time frame in which it will settle, or this is how we're going to. Custody assets.
1: Custody trading, clearing, settlement, all kinds of ethical conduct. It increases transparency to the public and to governments as well. There are principles for governance and compliance, risk management, and it's a pretty comprehensive code. It's, it was modeled after the FX code.
0: And so I'm curious, has it has it changed? I know you have a broad range of, of members. What are some of the more Thorny things. When I think about you know U.S. equity market structure, you can't really get participants to agree on on most things. Certainly not everything. Um, <laughs> things like market data, right? What What are some of the questions maybe that your members are currently grappling with as it pertains to crypto market structure?
1: Yeah, so these are all things that we are looking at. Um, obviously, market data is one hot topic, um, and I know actually, Frank, you and I could probably just talk for hours on end just about market data alone. I will spare I will spare your audience the details of those discussions, but um, but in all honesty, uh, the the topic that we're really looking at right now is custody. And given the fact that the SEC is is working on custody, we thought we could also be helpful in that regard. Um, Just given, you know, it's also an issue that's top of mind for the industry and for the regulators. Certainly the SEC has two statements that they've recently issued. So we're working on responding to both of those statements. And then we've also just created a working group on custody within Adam, it's a member, you know, a member working group where we are looking at ways um, and actually we're updating our code of conduct to really flush it out with robust custody framework. Um, So that's that's actually something that's a work in progress. And then, of course, that ties in really nicely with two comment letters that we are working on right now, because the SEC has two proposals pending. One of them is, on uh, it was it was a staff statement that was issued in early to mid November, um, basically discussing what would constitute a qualified custodian under SEC rules. It was a statement that SEC, uh, the Division of Investment Management, in consultation with FinHub, they put this statement out, and basically it was in uh, it was right after the Wyoming Two Ocean Trust No Action Letter was issued. And the SEC then decided to kind of weigh in with this staff statement and really question, um, you know, who would be a qualified custodian and ask for industry input. So we're working on on that proposal or you know statement. I would say, and then in addition, there was the um, December twenty third commission level statement that the SEC issued for special purpose broker dealers. Um, and and that's actually a five-year safe harbor. That's, that's
0: kind of like a pilot program, right? That will allow brokers to operate in digital assets without any sort of fear of reprisal for
1: yes.
0: trusting these assets.
1: Exactly. Yes, exactly. And it's a five-year pilot and that is actually, and that was done. This is really cool because it was done at the commission level and and that's to go into effect April 27th. So we're, we're planning to submit a comment letter in advance of April 27th with our views on that. But the commission has stated, and I think this is really excellent, that um, they welcome comment letters for the entire five-year duration of this. So I think that's really cool because um, I'm sure that you know, people will, will be able to comment, continue to comment, you know, as this goes into effect and, you know, and, and talk about how it's working or not and, you know, if, if any tweaks should be made, etc. So
0: One thing that I don't understand is you have statements like this from the SEC, which is a hybrid sort of no action letter, safe harbor you know, whatever you want to call it, this sort of green light to an extent for the next five years. You have the OCC kind of giving the green light for thrifts and savings banks and such, national savings banks, to custody digital assets. And yet still, there is this narrative among some of the larger banks that I speak with that suggests that it is still too uncertain to or there is this level of uncertainty that exists around custodying these assets w- what further guidance or statements from these regulators would the banks need to finally get fully in board, on board is there is there still an element that's missing here
1: that's a that's a really great question frank you know it's it's funny because Regulators will never come right out and endorse anything, so that won't come, of course. Um, and, and that that makes sense. That's not their job. What they're doing is making sure that we have sound capital markets and making sure that you know they advance innovation while protecting investors, and all the while, you know, of course, having fair and orderly and efficient markets. What I I would say is that. I think it's it can be more difficult when there's sort of this like trickled out, you know, no action relief exactly the way you just detailed where you have a no action letter coming out here and then there's this guidance and then there's maybe another no action letter and it is a little bit more difficult when it comes out like when the policy comes out that way as opposed to having just like a regulatory framework advanced just because these incremental approaches can be more difficult um, just for, uh, I, I would say, for even just the optics too, uh, it, it just, it seems like, oh, here, you know, here's like another small statement or, and, and some of them are big, of course, you know, but, um, but it, it's not, it's not to the level of like, you know, here's this massive regulatory framework for, for crypto, uh, for crypto custody. And, um, and I think that's probably why, um, you know, it's like this, it's almost like, you know, just a slow sort of like slow advancement of policy, I would say. Um, and, and it's all great and welcomed, of course, from the regulators, and it's wonderful. But it it, it is harder, I would say, for the narrative. You know, the other thing is, is that we do have commissioners at the agencies who actually aren't even a fan of no action relief for this reason. They they don't believe that no action relief should be should be used in this fashion. Um, now, that's not to say that they may not agree with the underlying policy. However, that is something that even, you know, some of the current commissioners have um, been somewhat vocal about in saying, you know, we, we don't need no action relief. We need like real frameworks. Um, so, so that's, that's a, I, I think that's what is at the heart of people's perspectives when, you know, they're saying, well, like, and what is this? And, and can it be revoked? And I mean, you know, certainly we're seeing messaging coming out of even like Capitol Hill, for example, saying, um, oh, you know what, I don't like what the former acting comptroller did. And, can we rescind? And look, I, I don't think that I, I, I don't think the OCC's guidance would be rescinded. Um, and in fact, actually a lot of it um, companies have already really implemented. And I don't know that that's necessarily even really what, you know, folks on Capitol Hill really want. I don't know, um, but it is m- much more, it's difficult. And I, I would say for the narrative,
0: you also have this element and you kind of alluded to this in your answer of there being several, different agencies engaging with this market, several different agencies and regulators, you don't have one clear authority to whom you're regulatorily responsible, if that's a word, regulatorily. We're going to make up a word today. <laughs> and that's probably contributing to um, a degree of the confusion, right? I don't know if my, my, my uh, boss or whatever word you would want to use. Am I under the auspices of the CFTC, of the SEC, of the IRS? And the list goes on.
1: Frank, are you advocating for a merger of the SEC and CFTC?
0: No, but I think that there are folks that would, <laughs> that would argue that there ought to be one regulator yeah. overseeing this market. And we talked about this yesterday. Yeah. Um, the CFTC sort of settlement with Coinbase indicates to a degree that maybe they're yielding that authority to the Commodities Trading Futures Commission.
1: Yeah. And no, I mean, that's certainly, I'm like, that's a huge part of this debate. Yes. We have the whole panoply of financial regulators and, and, you know, they have different missions. Like some of them are capital markets regulators and some of them have a safety and soundness mandate. And some of them are, you know, consumer focused and, And yet they're all looking at this space all at the same time. And of course, there are jurisdictional lines with, you know, if something is a digital asset security, it falls within the SEC's purview. If it's a commodity, um, you know, it's obviously regulated by the CFTC. We do have a complex regulatory framework. I do think it's really interesting. Um, I definitely saw your tweet about Coinbase and I, I do think it's really interesting because certainly I think it could be viewed that Coinbase was intentionally, you know, submitting to the CFTC's jurisdiction, and um, and that's not a bad that's not a bad thought, um, and that's certainly something that um, you know could be viewed as as desirable. I mean, in fact, there's legislation on on Capitol Hill. That gives the CFTC more authority. You know, we have Gary Gensler coming in at the SEC. He will be looking, of course, at what the SEC can do in this space. So, so yes, it is actually one of the, the complicating features. I, you know, I would say probably on the on the positive side here, I've been around the space for a while. Um, this was this is not unique. We saw this with with swaps. And um, I, I would say we definitely have a functioning swaps regulatory regime that works well right now. Um, so so this is not a unique situation. And this was a big debate, both on Capitol Hill and at the regulators um, during Dodd-Frank. I would also say that I, I wonder if, you know, having all these regulators, sometimes like Yes, like in London and you know the UK, they have a consolidated financial regulator, and I think that's super interesting. But um, you know, in the United States, we also get some competitiveness amongst our market regulators and and financial regulators more broadly, and I think that's really cool too because you you wind up getting um, I, I would say incredible thought leadership out of the different regulatory agencies and you know, they all bring unique perspectives. And then at the same time, I think they're also looking at ways to sort of advance the best policy. So um, so I, I, there, maybe there's an advantage to that. I certainly think there could be.
0: Yeah. How do you think something like that would play out?
1: So I think, look, I, I think the CFGC has a tremendous amount of jurisdiction here, you know, and certainly with fraud and enforcement, um, I love Adam's Code of Conduct because we have really all the market conduct principles that we've, as an industry, we've set forth. On the digital asset security side, one of my favorite things, actually, that I was just <laughs> um, rewatching was this interview that Gary Gensler did it was. It's almost two years old now, and he invited Crypto Mom SEC Commissioner Hester purse to come and chat with him at MIT. You know, with his his blockchain class, and as he was interviewing Hester with this um, fireside chat, it was really fascinating because. I almost felt like the questions that he was asking were kind of detailing a future regulatory framework for like digital asset securities, and he talked about an ATS framework, or um, which and he and he talked about the origination of the ATS framework and how it was viewed as exchange light and broker dealer heavy, and and he was asking her whether he thought whether she thought that would be favorable for the markets. And he also had questions about, uh, retail and, and, and market conduct. And he talked about, you know, whether, whether front running existed, existed and, and all of those types of things. And, and honestly, um, a lot of his statements, they really resonated and questions really resonated uh, with me in particular, just because, I felt like he was asking a lot of questions that actually related directly to our code of conduct, um, but also I felt like they were uh, like a very interesting statement. Now, fast forward <laughs> that he's going to be um, in all likelihood um, the you know the chairman of, of the SEC. And, um, I would note, obviously, you know, Schumer's filed, uh, cloture. So I fully expect him to be confirmed by, uh, as soon as the Senate comes out of recess in a couple of weeks. So by mid-April. And, and look, I mean, he sailed through the banking committee with full Democratic support and also gained the support of two Republicans, one of them being Lummis, who's, as we all know, very, very digital asset friendly and also Senator Rounds. So I think that bodes well for his confirmation. And also, um, I think that presentation that he he gave at MIT actually shows a lot about what his thinking is and what we should expect to see from the SEC in, in the coming months.
0: So what do you expect uh, once Gensler gets in? Um, will he have a, seemingly, he'll have a more friendly approach to the space than Jay Clayton, who is among the many uh, folks who have joined the, the teams of a crypto firm. We also uh, had Redfern join Coinbase. Clayton is at, I think it's One River yes. uh, asset manager in the space. So, you know, maybe Clayton's come around, but uh, I guess <laughs> we expect um, Gensler to be a little more friendly.
1: Yeah. So I, first of all, I'm so excited to see Jay and Brett enter this space. I was thrilled to see the news over the past 24 hours. And I think I love seeing people from the SEC coming and joining our space. That's my background. And I think, and all regulators, honestly, I think that that does nothing but help, you know, our, our whole industry. So I'm very excited about this. I don't view Jay Clayton as anti-crypto. I think he stepped into the SEC at a time where there there was a lot of ICO fraud, and I think that's very difficult to to walk into. So I think he, I think he, he, it was it was a, a tough time to be walking into the SEC when there's all of a sudden this brand new asset class that um, I, I can only imagine the tips complaints and referrals the SEC was receiving on any given day, you know, when, when he first got, got his new job. Um, So certainly I think, you know, that, that was sort of that historical perspective and look, that was all like at the primary issuance stage, I would say of digital assets. And now we're, now we're looking at the trading and we're looking at the secondary markets. And so I think now Fast forward to Gary Gensler's upcoming tenure. I think, look, that's his background. He works on he worked on the swaps, you know, regulatory regime. Um, it was all about the trading, the registration, you know, the trading of markets. And I think that that can be expected here too, with with digital assets, digital asset securities. The other thing um, I would also say is that um, he's going to be coming into the agency, and of course, like. While we, I love the fact that he has this, you know, blockchain background and a regulatory background, I think he's a very, I think he's a very tough regulator. Uh, and I think it's going to be all the more important. Um, I mean, like you know, making sure that we have robust markets. Um, so I think it's going to be very important for industry um, and really groups such as Adam to be working closely um, in partnership with the SEC to really help on advancing policy. I definitely think it's gonna be a, honestly a top of mind issue for him. I know that GameStop is <laughs> really commanding <laughs> the, the news these days. Um, and certainly I think it's gonna be hard to get away from you know hot topics that everyone seemingly wants to discuss like payment for order flow. Um, I actually think, look, I would welcome the discussion any you know all the discussion on um on using blockchain for for settlement uh, in fact that's actually one one of our members paxos is has um is operating under you know no action relief from the sec so that they can settle equity trades for broker dealers on the blockchain platform um so that's actually related to the whole um you know gamestop issue um, so that is something that we as, as a group we are working we are working on that issue um, but, you know, I think Gary's going to be very, very busy <laughs> when it comes to, you know, just some of the issues that have been playing out in the news. And then, of course, um, you know, the, the administration has been very focused on other topics like ESG and, and climate change, for example.
0: BACT is the digital wallet of the future, empowering you to manage all of your digital assets from a single place. Back puts the power in your hands to get your crypto loyalty and rewards points and gift cards together to choose how you want to use them. Treat your digital assets just like cash and convert, send, or spend them using Back. Get started today and get it together with Back. Available for download now in the App Store and Google Play Store. And I also want to take a moment to thank Kraken, the cryptocurrency exchange. For the last 10 years, Kraken has been known as one of the best platforms for trading crypto online. Whether it's your first trade or your 100th, Kraken has the tools to help you hit your financial goals in crypto. With Kraken, you can instantly buy and sell over 50 of the most popular cryptocurrencies, or earn additional rewards through their industry-leading staking service. Payouts are twice a week, and you can earn up to 20% each year. Visit Kraken.com now to learn more. I want to unpack where we are now with this FinCEN proposal that we saw come in at the end of last year, kind of in the last inning of the Trump administration and Secretary Steve Mnuchin's time as Treasury Secretary. Many folks, I guess, at the time figured that this thing was kind of not going to see the light of day given how how it came in and when it came in. What's the latest on that?
1: So, your timing is perfect because the final comment period closed yesterday. Um, so, it's now at the stage where FinSun d- decides what they're going to do um, with this rulemaking. And... Um, last I checked, FinCEN had received over—I mean, the industry really banded together. Uh, they received over seven thousand comment letters on this proposal. Three of them were Adams. Um, we were very, very busy at work on on this proposal. And from what I understand, I think FinCEN is is working. Well, first of all, I know FinCEN is working really hard at coming to the right the right conclusion for everyone here. Um, so I've heard some um, really, actually um, favorable um, comments being made about what the the future holds. So um, so some of the some of the things that we as a group had publicly commented on were uh, first of all, we we had a lot of process um, concerns initially, which have all been honestly rectified, so that I'm, I'm very happy about. Um, for example, you know, we didn't, we didn't think, obviously we didn't think that this rule should be interim final. Um, we obviously thought that according to the administrative procedure act, that this should be a notice and comment, um, you know, process. So, which we of course got, we were very happy about that. You know, some of the, the specific comments that we made were, um, we, you know, at the same time as this coming out, the president's working group on financial markets had also issued a, um, a white paper and it was on stable coins. But in that paper, they talked about really just for stable coins for in the industry to have a capability to obtain and verify identities. It, it didn't have a very prescriptive approach and um, like requirements or you know record keeping and reporting or anything like that. Um, so we had really advocated for that kind of approach where as long as there's a capability and people use you know, different so- software or different protocols that are available, then that should be enough. So that was one of the points that we made in our comment letter. Um, we also, you know, talked about how this know your customers, you know, KYCC, your, know your customer's customer or like this counterparty information uh, requirement really didn't exist anywhere else in um, in the law. Um, and certainly, you know, um, any other place where KYCC is required, it's only done um for risk-based purposes. So that was one of the comments that we made. We also, you know, we w- w- the big focus of our letter, I would say is um, we really hearkened back this idea of FinCEN becoming, you know, a central repository to some of the other, pr- of this kind of information. We talked a lot about not just the privacy concerns, but also the cybersecurity risks for FinCEN to have to, for, for the industry to be reporting all of this data um, to Fincen, and you know, we used some of um, former CFTC Chairman Chris Giancarlo, Crypto Dad statements to talk about, you know, some of the concerns that he had raised during the regulation automated trading proposal. They all related to this proposal here, where he was very concerned about the CFTC being the owner and keeper of source code for algorithms. And I thought that was really, I actually thought that was really, there, there were some really interesting statements that he had made in that context. And he talked all about like federal government hacks and um, and concerns from that respect. And then we also um, provided some quotes from Chairman Clayton, um, you know, from the SEC during the consolidated audit trail CAD um, proposal, where there were, again, you know, concerns about you know, the SEC and the PII and, and whether the government should be housing that, that kind of information. So my understanding, at least, is that, and, and, and by the way, um, you know, we, we focused a lot on providing regulatory alternatives, which um, obviously FinCEN is um, looking at, and in fact, I think required to look at pursuant to, um, you know, cost-benefit analysis, etc., um, so, so we were trying to be very helpful in, in providing these alternatives, and from what I'm hearing, at least generally, it sounds like we were um, probably very, hopefully, very effective on maybe um, not having the the data you know have to be reported to FinCEN. So perhaps they will you know maintain a record keeping requirement, but but maybe. On the the reporting side, may, maybe that will um, be be relaxed, um, and I think that would be a, a good policy outcome. You know, I'd also personally like to see some of the threshold numbers um, raised as well. Um, so so those are those are all all things that they're looking at, and and um, I, I honestly um, I think. I think Vincent's working really hard, and and I, I expect I think they're going to reach a a really good conclusion here. So um, I'm hopeful, and I'm really looking forward to seeing what finally comes out.
0: That's really interesting. Um, it, it's kind of funny, like just listening to you talk about each agency. They all have their own story. They're all kind of at a different place when it comes to digital assets. I'm sure you're engaging with a lot of. The agencies and and regulators and congressional offices down in in D.C. What are some of the you know questions that they're sort of grappling with right now that maybe aren't talked about that much in the press?
1: So they are a thousand percent asking questions and grappling. I would say about about custody. There are a lot of questions about what the. Trading and markets framework should be, um, you know, Adam, we are a standard setting body. So I know there are obvious, like we would like to one day become, you know, a self-regulatory organization. We believe that that's not something that is just um, decreed. That's something that's earned. And, um, and at the current moment, like we're already setting the standards. So um, we're doing the work. So we're, we're excited to play that role. Um, so we do get a lot of questions about trading and markets types of um, things that you would see, that you would see, you know, in the, you know, in the equity markets, for example, and, you know, whether they pertain to crypto or not, and should they, and, and those, those types of questions. So I, I feel like, I, I'm sorry to be like such a nerd about this, but I feel like this whole space, like. Um, has been so focused on 33 Act <laughs> from like yeah. I mean as an analogy, right? And now we're getting to 34 Act, <laughs> and whether and I only say that um, like I mean, of course, these aren't all digital asset securities. I don't I don't mean it from that perspective. I just mean like. It's, it's just the evolution I think it's just from an evolutionary um, standpoint I think that's now the the thrust of the the questioning
0: <laughs> well there's you know there's no uh, problem with you being a nerd on this show we are a <laughs> show
1: I thought you only had cool kids on this show
0: right I, I mean I doubt <laughs> it if you I mean we had Mika uh, one of our research analysts on last <laughs> l- last time to talk about. Uniswap V three and, and decentralized finance. So I uh, I don't think you get nerdier than that. <laughs> but maybe thirty four Act might be a little bit nerdier. <laughs> well, this has been really fun and interesting. I want to sort of you know maybe take the conversation back to to Adam for a second when when you think about its expansion. You mentioned some of the ambitions to become an and SRO over the next year, how will you be growing the organization?
1: So that was one of my, the first thing I did when I joined was I came up with our first strategic plan, and it was focused on growth and really new policy initiatives. So I am so excited to announce that we're growing. Um, We're actually about to do a big member announcement, uh, a press release, actually, that will be coming out. Pretty soon, um, so that's been something that I've been very busy working on. Um, so, and it's not just new industry, you know, members of Adam, but it's also really, a, I would say, a focus on our on strategic partners. So, we're really excited to be announcing some strategic partners that include vendors who do extremely important work in in this space and surveillance and the types of the really the kind of work that's required i think before we see a bitcoin etf approved Um, and then also the law firms that really all come from a traditional finance space i in fact um you know i personally worked at two large law firms as a regulatory attorney and i think it's really important that the you know the lawyers that have been working in this space for a really long time um, are also you know working with us and focused on digital assets because that's certainly the perspective of the regulators and the policymakers and you know the legislators. Um, so I I'm really excited to be announcing some strategic partnerships with some top notch law firms. So that's basically what we're doing. I would say um, and it's about to come out in terms of growth. Um, and then, of course, just like um, a really intense policy agenda where we're doing a lot of members only events um, where we have workbook creation of working groups underway where um, we're going to be advancing some, you know, pretty big, serious um, policy initiatives, which I'm super excited about. And then, of course, um, you know, just Working on comment letters and 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 also providing assistance on the legislative side, um, you know we're evaluating a lot of proposals that are pending in Congress. Congress, um, you know, including the legislation that was recently introduced by Congressman McHenry and and Lynch. Um, we we support and appreciate all crypto friendly members of Congress. Um, so we're excited um, to see legislation advanced and we really want to be a partner with all of those legislative efforts. Um, and, and we believe that we bring a very unique perspective um, given our like membership roster of just these really well-respected firms and expertise on, you know, in this area and on these issues and the fact that we've already created standards so we're really looking forward to being helpful with those you know in those types of initiatives
0: since you mentioned the the b word bitcoin etf <laughs> might be worth double clicking on that what what are you anticipating as far as such a fund coming to market we've seen heavyweights like fidelity investments announce their intention to launch such a fund based off of maybe the conversations you're having down there in the in the swamp if you will <laughs> Do you expect such a product to get approved
1: yes, this year? I do. Yeah. And um, I, you know, this year we'll, we'll have to see what, what the timing, I don't a hundred percent know about this year. I hope, I, I do hope, um, I would love to see it happen before Thanksgiving. Um, of course, you know, we first, it's not going to happen until we have a full commission at the SEC um, so I'm looking forward to um, you know, Gary Gensler's confirmation at the Senate. Once he's installed at the SEC, he's sworn in. um his, you know, I think one of his first orders of business is to get his heads in. He needs a head of of trading and markets. And, he, you know, um, obviously, there is a head, but in an acting capacity. but, Um, He's going to have to make his determinations on who he wants to be the heads of the different divisions. Um, Certainly on something like a Bitcoin ETF, he's going to be working, you know, very closely with Val, um, Satanic, FinHub, and then, you know, the heads of... Uh, investment management and the heads, you know, of trading markets. I mean, even I can even see a role that you know the division of economic and risk analysis would play in something like this. So, um, so these are all really important positions that that have to be filled before you know they make, can make any, um, I would say, determination. Um, but given just um, the number of filings from such prestigious firms that are really well respected in the industry. Given that what we're seeing in other countries, such as Canada, um, I think it's it's certainly top of mind. In fact, actually, Commissioner Purse, there was a Forbes crypto piece yesterday um, where you know she, she was talking about the you know the importance of a Bitcoin ETF. And and honestly, I think if you look at some of her dissenting statements, I think they're really interesting. Um, you know, she she says that it's an investor protection concern. To not approve it, and it's so—it's just a—it's—it's it's true. It's—it's uh, it's an interesting perspective, and it's really the truth because if you don't approve it, you know, I—I I think a, lo- a lot of the the reasons why you know, of course, the regulators have have been hesitant, as they they are worried about investor protection. But um, she actually makes, I think, a really good case for why it's an investor protection concern um, to not approve it. So she's really looking to bring these these products under the regulatory framework and you know within the purview of the regulators and i think that's a, a really good thing so yeah i i do think it's i i, I see it it's happening <laughs> it's happening
0: <laughs> it's happening well when it gets approved we'll have you back on
1: <laughs> yes
0: michelle bond ceo of adam thanks for joining us
1: thanks for having me so much thanks frank i appreciate it i really enjoyed talking with you today thank you